This is the Taz and Jim Podcast. Best of Taz and Jim Podcast. Are you listening to our show and you're about to get into the shower? Well, if that's the case, we've got an important question for you. Do you usually pee in there? Jim? Every time. You're a shower <laughs> peer? Whenever I need to, yeah. I, I would never hold it. You don't get out of the shower to pee in the toilet if That's you're... the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Well, not according to a urogynecologist named Dr. Teresa Irwin, who specializes in pelvic health and incontinence. She has a TikTok account where she gives advice, and she is saying that peeing in the shower is a no-no. Stop peeing in the shower. Now, I have mentioned in the past that that is a correct standing position, is one of the PE positions that's correctly done to empty the bladder. But that's just for emptying the bladder. You just don't want to do it all the time because what happens, it's kind of like a Pavlov dog training where every time they heard a little bell ring, they would start salivating. And your bladder, every time it hears running water, is going to want to pee. So whenever you're washing your hands, if you're taking a shower, washing the dishes, if there's running water, your bladder is going to be salivating because it wants to go and pee. So you need to stop peeing in the shower. Salivating bladder sounds disgusting. It does sound gross. That's a weird term. <laughs> Every time you hear running water, your bladder will start salivating. Nom, nom, nom. <laughs> <laughs> Why is it making that sound? Mm, what's, that, what's that noise? Is that coming from your pants? Like, but is it... Mm, nom, 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 nom. Is it this? Is it that bad? Like, it's not that out of context to hear running water and have to pee. Like, you're already in the shower, so what's the big deal? If if you trained yourself accidentally to pee every time you heard a car horn, we'd be in pro- in trouble here. But you're already in the shower, so who cares if you hear running water? What if you're going for a walk by the river? Then uh, the babbling brook trigger something? Right. <laughs> pee by you- a tree? <laughs> Because it's true, if you already have to go to the bathroom and you're stuck listening to water running, it makes it tougher to hold it in, 100%. But is that because we've been peeing in the shower our whole lives? But I mean, but every time you pee, you flush the toilet, that water association is already there. Yeah, I thought there was going to be some sort of health ramifications, but if you pee in the shower, it just leads you to peeing more in the shower. It doesn't seem like a huge problem. <laughs> <laughs> running, any running water. Uh, you know, but you're we you, you, maybe in the kitchen you might hear running water, but where else? Maybe in Niagara Falls View Casino, <laughs> you see know, that big fountain. <laughs> that's why maybe everybody that's a everybody in Niagara Falls is always peeing. <laughs> have you noticed? I have. Yeah, in general, <laughs> those big falls. Can't hold it in. So don't pee in the shower. If you trust what this lady's saying, peeing in the shower is not good for you psychologically. The best of Taz and Jim. Good day for drinking beer, right? Mm-hmm. They go down easy on a day like today. Would you try this new type of beer that they're making in Singapore? It's made up of imported ingredients like German barley. Okay. Norwegian yeast. Mm. My favorite Beatles song. <laughs> Along with uh, Naywater. Okay. Naywater. What's Naywater? Naywater is filtered urine. <sighs> Apparently, there's a bit of a freshwater shortage in Singapore, so they've had to get innovative, and they are recycling sewage to make it into drinkable water. Oh, when you say sewage, it sounds so much worse than Naywater. You would dr- you'd rather me say it's recycled pee-pee? I'd rather you call this drink beer grills, 
We know that guy always. Bear Grylls always. Thank you. It was a Sunday yeah, pun day. Um, <laughs> I would. I do. I scientifically, I've heard that you can yeah. sterilize urine, and it basically is indistinguishable from water. Right. And won't get you Kevin sick. Kevin Costner it's, did it in Waterworld. <laughs> Yeah, I think he peed on that one little plant that he had occasionally, and, it, and then we would drink the rest of yeah, it. Yeah, and it would go through the tubes, and then yeah. it was fine. Um, you know, uh, if I, unless I was desperate, I don't know. I if don't there think- was two cans on the shelf, one was made out of recycled urine, the other one was made out of fresh tap water. Yeah, yeah. You'd go with the, the tap water. What's the price point we're talking about here? <laughs> is it cheaper? <laughs> if it's recycled. Well, the way you should look at it is all beer is rented anyways, right? What do you turn beer into? Oh, I guess urine. Yeah, when you drink it, it turns into pee, so why not turn it back into beer? This is So this is like a snake eating its tail, a never-ending cycle. Uh, but yeah, you can you never have to leave your house. <laughs> you, get, you get the brewery in the basement. You know, you get a little boiling pot, whatever. You know, there's there's the machine we have to invent. Yeah, yeah. You hook a tube up to your uh, your stuff, and then this is going to look a lot a lot like the Mad Magazine Rube Goldberg type <laughs> machines they would draw all the time. <laughs> it goes out the tube, and then yeah. it goes through a couple of gadgets, and then it comes out as beer behind sure, the bar. It never ends. Perfect. Well, it's available now in Singapore. Uh, I'm not sure if this is going to become a trend over here, but if it does, who knows? We, we've heard them making uh, beer out of the ice from the, the, the rink down in Tampa Bay after they won the Stanley Cup. They mm-hmm. melted the ice down, yeah, yeah. used that water to make Coors Light, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Guys are spitting on that. What's them to stop? You know, they could use celebrity urine to make <laughs> to make different types of beer with this technology. Sure. This is the Taz and Jim podcast. Best of Taz and Jim podcast. Went out to a, a bar yesterday with a couple buddies and had some beers, Jim. Nice. Some laughs and beers. It was good to be back supporting a local establishment. Couple chicken wings. You know, it's it's good to be out there. Um, for the past uh, month, I've lost a little bit of weight, mm-hmm. and I thought it was because I had self control, but it turns out it was just that the bars and restaurants were all closed, mm. all downhill from here. Yeah, I'm <laughs> so good when it hits the lips. Yeah, boy, oh boy, dry January was the easiest it'll ever be this year. Yeah, if you if you were up in the air between dry January, dry February, should have gone January. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you got to get out there, do what you can, your favorite spots, uh, show them some love, uh, go for some dinners, a couple drinks after work, whatever you need to do, um, because yeah, it's, been a, it's been a struggle. We know that for the past couple of years, and here's a story about that. England's oldest pub has closed because of the pandemic. Hmm. This pub claims to have been open for 1,229 years. What is it? A hole in the ground? How could a building? What is it made of? It opened in the year 793. (laughs) (laughs) Boy, oh boy. Yeah, just your average family business. (laughs) Opened in 793. Are you looking it up? Yeah, I'm going to, I got to see what this place looks like. I'm picturing like a dilapidated shack. Wait until you hear the name of it. (laughs) The name of the pub. This is probably why it stayed in business for so long. Ye old fighting cocks. 
That's so British. That's ye, so good. Ye old fighting cocks. I feel like uh, people would walk into that place expecting something completely different. Yeah, yeah. And then when they realize it's just a pub, they'd be like, okay, well, I'll stick around and have a <laughs> Either it's some sort of some sort of uh, swingers party, or there's only one urinal that several guys have to use at the same time. <laughs> Cheap beer and one urinal. <laughs> Ye old fighting cocks. I, I found it. It's actually a respectable building, stucco outside. It looks like it has one of those roof systems. That's like moss. I don't yeah, even yeah. know. You know one of those. But other than but that, like it's pretty a, big. A traditional looking. English yeah, pub. You know, like, uh, yeah, triangular roof. Hmm. The owners of Ye Old Fighting Cox say they've been struggling for a while. Um, but there is talks that someone else, it's shut down now. There is talks. You can't let that go. Why? Yeah, you gotta. Someone else is going to buy it and reopen it. And hopefully they do not change the name. Oh, I'm just reading it, but it has an underground, underground series of tunnels once traveled by monks. That's pretty cool. This place is legendary. Ye old fighting cock. <laughs> this is the Taz and Jim podcast. Best of Taz and Jim podcast. ACDC's Thunderstruck is apparently one of the most expensive songs, if not the most expensive song, if you're going to use it in a movie or a TV show, if you want to license it hmm. to, to use in your film. It was used in Varsity Blues back in 1999. Oh, yeah. I don't want your life. <laughs> I love that movie. They paid $500,000 to use it back then. So most likely it's worth, or, or you need to pay more than that to use it in your movie now. Uh, Thunderstruck's also been in Deadpool 2, Battleship. Oh, yeah. Missed that one. That was worth it. <laughs> <laughs> Iron Man 2, The Longest Yard, Daddy's Home, and Daddy's Home 2. Twice? That must be the theme song. I saw James Gunn, who is the uh, the director of the Guardians of the Galaxies movie, mm-hmm. Galaxy movies. Notoriously great soundtrack, right, on, on those movies? It's part of the plot. Like a, a lot of big songs in those films. Somebody asked him on social media, how much does it cost for you to license these songs? He says, I've paid nothing. I've paid 75 bucks, and I've paid a million dollars. It depends. Hmm. So they didn't have ACDC's Thunderstruck in Guardians of the Galaxy, so I wonder what song cost him a million bucks. He went on to say it was probably the only song I'd ever want to pay a million dollars for. It was a rare, rare case of not getting the rights before we shot, uh, changing the song in post, and then realizing we really needed that song to make the scene work. So we'll find out what that song was in the new movie? No, it's in one of the Guardians of the Galaxy movies already. They shot it. Was it Mr. Blue Sky at the start of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 when Baby Groot's dancing around? <laughs> I don't know if that was as pivotal as... It, uh, well, you and- think about it, it's almost like a dance sequence. You put another song in there, things don't match up as well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's when they're all like flying around shooting that big tentacle monster or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. I'm trying to think of the only song that sticks out is like the song in the movie is that Ooga Chaka. Like every other song, I don't really remember what was on the out on the movie. That was the main song to me. In the second one, they had the chain by Fleetwood Mac in Great that big tune. pivotal scene. And yeah. uh, you don't love me now. Hmm. Brandy, you're a fine girl by Looking Glass. 
Maybe. Huh. I have a feeling James Gunn is going to make sure he has the rights to whatever song he wants to use in Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Before they hit the editing bay. <laughs> Before they start filming the scenes. <laughs> the best of Taz and Jim. Soccer balls. Amazing things. <laughs> They could save your life. You're kind of obsessed with this story, Jim. Yeah, it's awesome. I always, I always think about like what would happen if I fell off a boat. I do a bit of boating, and like how could, I, how long could I swim for? Would I survive? What would I do? I kind of do that in the backyard if I'm on a pool floaty. You're like, imagine I was on this pool floaty in the middle of the ocean. I wonder how long I could survive. <laughs> I'd have a sick tan, though, by the end of it. <laughs> Before a shark ate me. <laughs> well, this guy, this is, this is a crazy story start to finish, basically. This, he's a 30-year-old dude. Uh, he was on vacation in Greece, and he's just swimming in the ro- water. All of a sudden, a riptide drags him out to the ocean. His buddies see it happen. They can't get to him in time. They run to the lifeguards. like, we got to you know, get the emergency people out here. By the time the emergency responders show up, they can't find him. He's gone. Yeah. Ivan was his name. Ivan, Ivan's yeah. disappeared. Ivan's gone. So, you know, they send out the Coast Guard or whatever version they have in Greece, and they're, they're searching for this guy. They can't find him, can't find him. 18 hours later, they do find him. He's alive still. He's floating in the ocean, and he's alive thanks to a random soccer ball that he spotted floating by as he was trying to get back to shore. And it's like a child soccer ball. It's like it's not even a big one. It's kind of like a small size four or whatever ball. Like the the Tim Hortons small balls sure. that my kids play it's with. Like yeah, purple yeah. and green or something like that. So he was clinging to that ball. Thankfully, it was inflated. And he didn't have it in his hands when he was swept no, out to no. sea. This is it. Just floated by, and they were able to like <laughs> the story became internet or national news or whatever. So they traced back where the soccer ball came from, and I guess a couple of young kids were playing with it like a few days earlier. Booted it into the ocean. Couldn't get. It and it traveled 130 kilometers down the coastline to where this guy was eventually saved by. Yeah, it. these kids were playing soccer in another country, yeah. <laughs> and then randomly their soccer ball floats to Greece and saves a guy's life. Yeah, that's wild. That's like that way more than whatever Wilson did for Tom Hanks. You know what I mean? Well, I don't know. I have a feeling that there was some scenes in Castaway that we didn't see. <laughs> was lonely on that island. <laughs> but yeah. So disappointed Wilson the, fell off the, the boat. The soccer ball saved his life. He, he's going to be fine. Who gets to keep the soccer ball? The guy, because you'd think he'd want to display that on his mantle. Like, here's the soccer ball that I floated on for yeah. 18 hours. But the kids probably want their ball back, too. Yeah, I think a compromise would be just paying $11. Getting them a new ball. You keep True. the used one. It's a little waterlogged and useless at this point, probably. That's a, totally random. Can you imagine how excited you'd be? I'm, I'm sure yeah. in the history of the world, there's been nobody more excited to see a soccer ball. Yeah, even the biggest soccer fan still. The best of Taz and Jim. Racehorses on meth. Pardon? There is a horse in New Zealand that has been banned after New Zealand's Racing Integrity Board realized the, uh, the horse... Tested positive for meth. You know, I'm just trying to think, because I feel like if an Olympian was on meth, it would not help him. He'd get distracted. But I guess maybe if it was a horse, it's like not as powerful. Be moving pretty fast. (laughs) I guess so, but wouldn't it also not be extremely erratic? I've never done meth, unfortunately, so I don't know what it would do. Uh, Probably fortunately, (laughs) Not for this story. If I had some personal experience. You don't have any context. Yeah. Uh, the jockey who rides the horse 
also tested positive See, for meth. Now that makes more sense. Yeah. Rochelle Lockett, 50-year-old jockey, the horse she helped trained, named B. Flexi, won a race back in January, but then tested positive for meth. So the jockey had to give her urine samples and hair samples. She tested positive, too. Initially, she said, I don't know how the meth got into everybody's system. (laughs) Somebody who did meth must have peed on the hay that I ate. Yeah, you know how it is. (laughs) But then she came clean. She said, "Uh, yeah, I did some meth. But what about the horse? Did she have meth in her mouth? And when she put the carrot in her mouth to transfer to the horse's mouth, the meth got transferred? Yeah, I don't know how meth transferring uh, can happen. Maybe sweat? Like if she's riding that horse and sweating, could could her meth sweat get into the horse's Hmm. skin? You never know. I know when I booze a lot, I can I sweat and I smell the booze. I'm sure meth is very similar. <laughs> or did she leave her meth lying around? <laughs> Next to the salt lick. Whoops. Oh, no, my meth. <laughs> Be flexy. <laughs> this what isn't the do? first time a racehorse has tested positive for meth. Huh. There was one named I'm Not Ticklish who tested positive for meth back in 2014. And at least two other horses in New Zealand failed meth tests last year. Oh, you know what? I've heard that if you sometimes, like, there's certain pills like Adderall or something like that that is is it technically a methamphetamine. So, you know, there's a big difference between crystal meth yeah. and a methamphetamine. I mean, speed is a methamphetamine, too. So it could be a different version of meth than what I was picturing in my head. But, like, some sort of amphetamine to get these things just uh, heartbeaten. What I was picturing is a horse with a shaved head and a goatee <laughs> on the upcoming season of Naking Bad. Oh my God. You're welcome. <laughs>